You're listening to the Harbor Worship Center podcast with Pastor Mike Saint. For more information about the Harbor Worship Center, please visit us at harborwc.com. Enjoy today's message. I really haven't planned on doing a series, but as I began to prepare my heart for this word today, it was one of them things like I've got four hours worth of preaching in only 30 minutes. And so I felt like maybe I could do that in two sessions or something like that. But anyway, I want to talk with you about a message entitled, The Unlikely Way. Has anyone studied the Bible long enough to know that God does things just so opposite of the way we would? You know, somebody just smacks you across the face and we just want to knock them out, and some of us have. And but the Lord said, well, if they smite thee on one cheek, turn again the other cheek. Man, we don't like that kind of talk. What are you talking about? We'll break out of 357 and go to town, right? Well, it's unlikely. Years ago, I preached a message entitled, The High Road and the Low Seat. And the Lord always told us to take the high road. And you know something? The high road is a hard road. You know, water takes the easy route. It's the path of least resistance. But he says... When you're coming to a home and there's all kind of seats around the table, he said, take the least one. He said, if there's real big high back chairs and there's real nice chairs and decorated chairs, don't grab the nicest one. He said, because you might sit down and then the master of the house come in and tell you to move. He said, but you pick out the ugliest seat in the house. You pick out the drink crate that's sitting there by the table and you sit on the drink crate. And then if the owner of the house comes in and says, oh no, my love, please, please sit in this seat, then you'll feel honored. Are you with me? Say amen. In other words, don't be presumptuous. But the unlikely way, right, here's what I want you to know, and you've got to get this if you don't get anything else, is God works in mysterious ways. Now, I know you think that's Bible, but it's not. I didn't quote that from the Bible. The Bible doesn't say it. It does imply it. But you will not find the quote, so you're wasting your time and your your data if you're trying to find it, that God works in mysterious ways because it's just not there. But He that is implied throughout the Scripture, and you and I can deduce that, I suppose, but the fact is that you need to know He works in uncommon ways. He, I mean, he does things that just does not make sense. I mean, it don't make sense at all. I mean, he promises an old man, an old woman, a baby. I mean, the man's 75 years old to start with. The woman's uh, 65. And then God waits around for 25 years to, uh, to bring it to pass. Now, what is that? I mean, I'm thinking they're on the outside, amen, at 75 and 65. I'm thinking to myself, man, they're in trouble already. This is before uh, all the enhancement drugs. Y'all with me? The Viagra's and the Cialis and all that. Hey, I got everybody's attention now. Yes, sir. But anyway, nonetheless, God tells them, I'm going to give you a son. And years go by and years go by and it don't work out. And so, uh, you know, it's 25 years later. He's 100 years old and she's 70. I mean, she's 90. Uh, so 100 and then 90. And man, that sure ain't working out. And God even began, he changed their name from Abram to Abraham and from Sarai to Sarah. Are you with me? Beautiful princess and father of many nations. And, and man, they begin to look at each other in another light. 
And lo and behold, matter of fact, when the angel of the Lord come to tell her this when he was 75 and she was 65, she hid behind the door and laughed. <laughs> Me and Abraham going to have a baby. <laughs> and the angel says, uh, wherefore did you laugh? She said, oh, I didn't laugh. See, even Christians will lie, a man, at drop a hat to save their behind. I, 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 I didn't laugh. He said, oh, but you did laugh. He said, but you know what? I'm going to get the last laugh because the next year, by this time, you're going to have a baby boy. Oh, no, he said at the appointed time. I'm confusing too. But at the appointed time, guess what? She had a baby boy. Here, what makes no sense to me at all is that she has this boy. I mean, she's an old woman. He's an old man. They have uh, the son of promise, Isaac. And lo and behold, he grows up when he's 16, 17 years old. God says, take him up Mount Moriah and kill him. Take him up there and sacrifice him unto me. Now, wait a minute, God. This is just an unlikely scenario. This probably ain't God talking to me. God's probably told some of y'all to do some things, and you decided yourself it wasn't God either. But he, God says, take him up there and kill him. Now, if we read that story in its entirety, we don't, we, we'll blow right by it if we're not careful. God never intended for him to kill him, but he wanted to see if he was willing to sacrifice him. Amen. Much like the rich young ruler that had all kinds of money, and the Lord said, sell what you have, give it all to the poor, and then have treasure in heaven. And scholars tell me that God was not interested in him going to actually doing all of that, but to see if he was willing to do it. Amen. But God does some unlikely things, and so he straps this young boy to the altar up there. You know the story. And um, Abraham tied him up. And he began to take the knife, and he was about to come down upon him, and an angel grabbed his hand and said, hurt not the lad. For I have tested you now, and I know you to be faithful. The writer of Hebrews says that Abraham said, I believe God that if I kill him, God will raise him from the dead. Now that's some faith right there. But God does some unlikely stuff. He does some crazy stuff. He does stuff that I don't even understand. He does some stuff that sometimes I look back and say, ain't no way that's God. God works in mysterious ways. God promised me. You know, let me tell you something. When I came, here's a story for you. You can get, wrap this one around your head a little bit. Now, when I came to Kings in 1995, 15 people had attended service the Sunday before. Now, that was rough for me because I left 100 in a rural church. And I, I mean, I'm not saying we wasn't uptown. But we, we, we were out of town, but we had 100 people. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And God had blessed us, and God had given me some favor. But anyway, I come, and I did not realize the magnitude of uh, debt load that I was coming into and learning that we owed the bank about $78,300 and tons of money for the amount of people that we had. We didn't have, I mean, uh, about 15 people. Uh, about half of them was on Social Security and fixed income. Are y'all with me? We didn't have no millionaires among us. Y'all feeling me? And so, but I prayed every day, and I, I took a legal pad, and I began to write down all the promises of God every day, and I didn't have no young strapping men with me. I had Brother Eddie Hopkins, and he was halfway to the hill at that time. I'm sorry, Brother Eddie, wherever you at? Love you, man. But nonetheless, uh, then we won some brothers. We, we, we won some, uh, some young men and women in the kingdom of God. But, but I was praying. I said, God, how are we ever going to do anything? we got all this debt load, and we got this, this, and this. And I began to write out the promise of God. And I was on the left side of the church over there in the old church. And I just began to pray and ask God. And the Lord spoke to me in my spirit. I mean, just as, like I'm, he said, I'm going to bring you back to square one. I'll eradicate it and let you start over. And I'm thinking, all right, God, how? This is so unlikely. I mean, so unlikely. Well, I mean, it sounds good that 
I'm going to get up from prayer and i got goosebumps. I'm saying, well, praise God. God said he's going to bring me back to square one, but where's the evidence? About a year or two later, Mr. Bailey died. Who owned the phone company? Hello? Two brothers come to my door one day, pulled his glasses down over his nose and looked at me and said, Pastor, it would behoove you to be at this meeting at the First Methodist Church in St. Mary's. This was a couple years after Mr. Bailey passed because they really vetted the process and all that. Long story short, they said, bring your treasurer with you, Brother Eddie Hopkins. I brought him with me. We went down there. There was an envelope sitting on a table. They played some music. We did some worship. And they said, uh, if you can sign these documents that you agree to this and that and the other, you had to be Trinitarian church. It couldn't be some cult way out there. Nonetheless, I opened an envelope that day. Actually, I don't think I opened it. I think Brother Eddie did. He pulled a card out of there, and it said, we are granting the Kingsland Church of God, 78100 and some odd dollars. And the Lord said to me, I have brought you back to square one. How unlikely! Nobody's ever given me $78,000 before or since. I'm still waiting. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But the unlikelihood of it happening, I'm telling you, God does things in an uncommon and an unfathomable way sometimes. It blows my mind. I remember for years, I had a dream. I wanted to go to the Church of God Theological Seminary so bad I could taste it, but there were some things in my way. Number one was money. I didn't have the money to go because it was very expensive. I didn't have the prerequisites to go. I was not finished at the time with a bachelor's degree and all of that stuff, but somehow God, in a miraculous way. I had a splitting headache at camp meeting one night. I didn't feel like going, but there was an announcement that at the Union Grove Church of God, our general overseer would be talking about some breakthroughs that have happened at the seminary. I said, man, i got to go hear about this. Did you know that a billionaire paid off $4.3 million of debt with the seminary, but required the denomination to uh, scholarship Senior pastors who had the prerequisites to go or to make provisions to help them meet the prerequisites to go. And did you know that because of that and because of the church and scholarships, I finished a $25,000 master's degree there. Are you hearing me? Unlikely! Unlikely! It was a pipe dream. Never going to happen, but God does things so crazy, so mysterious, so unlikely, but yet it happened. You know, if you understand that, it'll give you hope when the chips are down. Jill opened this morning and said, have you ever thought of something so unlikely? Some of you look over at your wife and say, yeah. I told the Lord it was so unlikely I was going to ever win her. But God has blessed me. Amen. Some of y'all said that, you know, on your honeymoon and six months later you say, God, what have you done to me? <laughs> Amen. But see, if you know that God works in unlikely ways, it'll give you the spirit and the courage to keep on trying when things are looking down. You see, because when things are, you know, when you're weary, when you're wayworn. I never. I was watching a special the other day on Jimmy Johnson. Y'all remember the famous Dallas Cowboys coach, Miami Hurricane coach? And, you know, he, he just fell out with Jerry Jones, couldn't get together. But nonetheless, he won two Super Bowls with Cowboys and a national title with the Hurricanes. And, but Jimmy Johnson, speaking to his guys in Miami and later in Dallas, he says to those guys, fatigue 
makes cowards of us all. He said, in the fourth quarter when, when they're sucking air and their hands are on their hips and on their head and you're out there you know, having fun because you ain't even breathing hard because you're in such good condition and such good shape, fatigue makes cowards out of everybody. Let me say this, when you're spiritually fatigued, when you're spiritually tired, you don't see any way God's going to work it out. But if you have flexed your spiritual muscles in the gym, you say when the chips are down and when things are so unlikely, this is the most opportune time for God to give me a miracle. See, what is it for you in your life that seemed impossible, unlikely, but somehow became a reality? I bet you if I had time, you could raise your hand and you could name it, and you could probably say the banker said, I could never have that property, I could never build that house. But bless the Lord, as for me and my house... We serve the Lord here. Amen. And you built it. Maybe it was that degree that you, even your family said because they never got one. They, they looked at you as, you know, you were crazy for even trying. But you said, no, I failed twice, but I'm going to keep on. I'm going to keep on. And one day you walked down that aisle and got that diploma. Are you hearing me? What is it that was so unlikely? I know for Tanya, it was the doctor said, you're never going to have no babies. It's just an impossibility. I mean, trying and trying and trying for 17 years and no baby. Now we got two of them back there. Huh? I remember an evangelist told her one time, get you a baby rattle and just begin to praise God when you pray with a baby rattle. God takes unlikely events and turn. You see, what is impossible with man is still possible with God. If thou canst believe, all things, all things, all things are possible to him who believes. So, what is it? Maybe it's that job that they said you ain't qualified for. You ain't never going to get that. Let me tell I have learned one thing. When the lawyer says it ain't no way in the world it's going to happen, he ain't Jesus. When the banker says, no way possible, he ain't God. Hello? When the counselor says it can't work, they're not God. Are you hearing me? When, when, when the doctor says there is no hope, that only means as far as he can see. His finite mind can't comprehend God. God said, my ways, Isaiah 55, that was my text. Isaiah 55, he said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God says, I have an unlikely way. I have the ability to fix it. When man has gave up on fixing it. I have the ability of putting this family back together though they are down and out. Though the addictions have torn them apart. Though the grief and devastation has messed up their marriage. Or whatever it is, God says, I can still do it. Wow. I know this is supposed to start the Advent and I'm trying to get to this unlikely scenario. In Luke chapter 1, there's a story where Luke is writing to Theophilus and he talks about uh, two, two wonderful babies about to be born. One of them is John the Baptist, the other is Jesus. Let me deal with John, if I may. John was prophesied in the Old Testament to be the forerunner of Jesus. 
He said they would be one like the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. It would be like the voice of Elijah the prophet. Notice with me in Luke chapter 1 and verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah. That's John's daddy. Who belonged to the priestly division of Abiah. His wife was Elizabeth, who was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of these, both of them, man and, uh, you know, Elizabeth and Zechariah, they were righteous. That is right doing in the sight of God. Observing all the Lord's commandments and the decrees blamelessly. But they were childless. Somebody say childless. Because Elizabeth was not able to conceive. Y'all hear me? She had a medical problem. And there was no fertility doctors back then. Dr. Fox wasn't around. Y'all with me? Say, man, we couldn't send them down to a specialty center in Jacksonville. They said, Elizabeth could not conceive. Notice now the next phrase, or, or part there. And they were both very old. Lord, have mercy. Again, we're in trouble. Because the biological clock has done gone tick-tock. Are y'all with me? The hourglass is empty on the top side. That's just face it. That's how it is. Now this is a parallel to what I told you in the Old Testament. Abraham and Sarah. Well now we start out in Luke right here. And he said that we have uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And they're old. And she hadn't had no child either. Now I'll tell you ladies, it was really bad in those days to go childless. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty. He was a high priest now, uh, or a priest there. He was a priest, I'm sorry. He's on duty. He's serving as a priest before God. He's chosen by lot. He was chosen by lot. You know what that means? In other words, it's like they drew straws. They kind of done that in the Old Testament. They couldn't figure out who's going to stay late tonight. They just sort of drew straws. And the way they looked at it was, well, this is God's choice. Y'all with that side? You remember, let me just side road this real quick. You remember Jonah? You know, we learned about Jonah. They threw him overboard. You know what? The, the mariners that day, they didn't want his blood to be on them. And so you know what they said? We cast lots. In other words, they drew straws. Or, or they chose a number between one and ten, and whoever got closest, you know. And guess what? The Bible said it fell Jonah's lot. In other words, God had decided what man couldn't decide, and Jonah would be the one. So, the Bible says, but it's Zechariah's time to work duty, and it fell his lot. I will tell you, that was the divine provision of the Most High. To have an encounter with him, to bring him glad tidings of the forerunner of Jesus. Let me show it to you. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple to burn uh, of the Lord to burn incense. Verse ten. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all of the assembled worshippers were praying outside. So everybody came to church to pray, not just to play and look at everybody's clothes and hear the great music, but they actually prayed. Y'all hear me? The Bible says he went inside to burn some incense, and they were outside praying. I'm not talking about talking about the fish they caught last week or whatever, but they were praying outside. Verse 11 says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled, and he gripped with fear. The angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. So in other words, he prayed at home too. Huh? He said, Your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you are to call him John. Wait a minute. Ain't nobody in the family named John. Y'all with me? 
But, but the angel said, you've been praying about this. She's been praying about this. You are old and she is old. I believe God allowed them to let the hourglass come out of the sand so that they could say, only God could have done this and everybody knows it. Well, let me, let me go on. I'm trying. So the Bible says you will call, call him John, verse 14. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. Woo! My Lord. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah. What's this? To turn the hearts of the parents to the children and the disobedient uh, to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, Zechariah had problems believing this unlikely event would take place. Now, you might say, well, now why did he have any doubt about this? Well, you wasn't as old as he was. You might not be in the physical condition that he was. He probably felt like there ain't no way in this world that God is going to do this. But the Bible says, Zechariah verse 18, he asked the angel of the Lord, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife is also well along in years. He knows he even he knew not to say she's old. He said she's well along. <laughs> I'm old, and she's well along in years. <laughs> the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you the good news, and now you shall be silent, mute, dumb, and not be able to speak a word until the day it happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time. If I walk around seeing any of y'all <laughs> not able to speak, I'm knowing you're doubting God too, right? Now, I wonder why that he didn't do that to Sarah, because she laughed behind the door in the Old Testament. She laughed. But, I mean, the angel didn't smite her with dumbness or muteness or anything like that. But anyway... But it's going to happen. And meanwhile, verse 21 says, the people will be waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized that he had seen a vision of the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but he remained unable to speak. And guess what? For the next nine months, he couldn't speak a word. And when the time of the service was complete, he returned home, and after his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, oh my goodness, and for five months remained in seclusion. She didn't even want, there ain't nobody in the world going to believe this. I ain't going down to the well. I'm not going down to the market. I, I might have a tumor. I don't know if I'm pregnant or what, but I'm old. My husband's old, but he has been a little frisky. No, I, that, that was my ecology. I, the Bible didn't say that. But the Lord, she says, has done this for me. And in these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Now I want to just skip down a little bit because next week I'll, or the week after I'll deal with some of that in between. But moving on down to verse number 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy, and they shared their joy. Watch this. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. 
But his mother spoke up and said, uh, no, his name is to be called John. They said to her, there's no one in your, among your relatives that's called John or by that name. They made signs. Daddy still hadn't been able to speak yet. They made signs to his father to find out what the name would be because whatever daddy said it was, that's what it was. Are you all with me? And he asked for a writing tablet, and everyone was astonished that he wrote, His name is John. <laughs> his name is John. And watch this. Immediately, his mouth was opened. Amen. Immediately his mouth was open and his tongue was set free. And he began to speak and he began to praise God. What had God done? It was unlikely to say the least. That God does things in an unlikely way. Unlikely that an old woman named Sarah, 90 years old, hundred-year-old man would father a child and she would be mom. Unlikely. Coming to the New Testament hundreds of years later, unlikely that Zechariah, an old man by his own words and a woman well up in years by his words, would conceive and bear a child. Unlikely. Uh, the forerunner the John the Baptist, the timing of the pregnancies of Elizabeth, John's mom, and Mary. Oh, we'll get into that next time. But uh, unlikely it is. And you know, why is this important? You know, what I'm trying to get you to do is this. I'm trying to get you to say, I will commit my way unto the Lord. I'll commit to the unlikely. When my life looks in shambles, when it seems there's no way, remember this might just be God's way. Why am I trying to get you to do that? Because He does everything so backwards. If a friend smites you on one side of the face, turn the other cheek. If He bids you go a mile, if a soldier, a Roman soldier, could actually make you tote his gear a mile, law. He said, at the end of that mile, you Christian folks just look at him and say, you know what? I'll do two if you like. I'll take it another mile. It is unlikely. It don't make sense. The Lord said, if your enemy's thirsty, give him something to drink. If he's hungry, buy him a meal. He's in prison, go see him. He does things so unlikely, so uncommon, it blows our mind. We're like, hey, if he hits me, hit him back. That's what dad taught me. You better not start it, but you better finish it. I said, daddy, you're a preacher. No, I didn't. <laughs> it works different in the kingdom of God. Highly unlikely. But here's the deal. If you commit your way to him, no matter how unlikely it is, you'll prove that it's His way. God uses the uncommon and the unlikely. Now, I'm not saying just do anything you want to do and call that God's way. I'm saying, but when the world looks at you and the world looks at me and says, ain't never going to happen, let me remind you the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. 
Huh? And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear any evil. Why? He's with me. He's riding the staff. They comfort me. They prepare the table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Right? So, unlikely is often God's way. You remember, we'll talk about this in two weeks. The people said, what good thing could come out of Nazareth? The lowly Nazarene. <laughs> what good thing could come from there? Uh, what about, I mean, unlikely that a teenage shepherd boy would slaughter a skilled Philistine giant named Goliath would cut his head off and hold it up to the unlikely it seemed that one one man one young man by the name of Samson would pick up the jawbone of a donkey and slaughter a thousand men unlikely or that the band of brothers the 300 that had been whittled down from 32,000 all the way to Gideon's 300 man army would defeat the army of Midian. Unlikely! Unlikely. But with divine intervention. Unlikely that Jehoshaphat would have success when he went to battle and decided to get all the praise team singers out front and said, Just sing unto the Lord, for He is good, and His mercy endureth forever. He said to them, Sing, for the Lord is good, and His mercy endureth forever. For the Lord is good, and His mercy endureth forever. And as the praise team began to sing, the angel of the Lord began to stir up sounds in the mulberry bushes. And the enemy thought that a skilled army had allied itself with Jehoshaphat. And they ran. They began to kill each other. Unlikely it was. Unlikely. Unlikely. But God specializes in doing what is unlikely. He makes a way when there is no way. The Apostle Peter was in prison for preaching. He was held fast with his ankles and his hands in stocks. And an angel of the Lord in the wee hours of the night walked right through the gate. Right, I said right through the gate. Smote Peter on his side and said, bind on thy sandals. It is time to go. When he hit him on his side, chains let go of his hands and his feet. He stood up and looked around. And guess what? They walked out together. Now this time, I don't know why it was different, but this time when they got to the city gate, it opened of its own accord, almost like infrared. No, I tell you that an angel of the Lord peeled the gate wide back. Oh, y'all don't believe it. Remember the stone? An angel come and rolled away the stone. Lord, have, unlikely, unlikely. How is Peter delivered from prison? Unlikely that that that... 
Paul and Silas are sitting in prison and one night they just begin to sing praise and begin to worship God. Prison begins to shake and begins to quake. Stocks and chains fall off of them and there they are, free, in the middle of a prison. Unlikely. How is it that Peter's preaching a gospel message to half-breed Jews? Uh, all kind of racism going on. you got Jews and half-breeds and there they are. And Peter's preaching the gospel. And when he gets about a few paragraphs in, the Holy Spirit falls on them. They all begin to speak with tongues and prophesy. Highly unlikely that God would save somebody other than a Jew, right? Oh, no. He specializes in it. Wow. Unlikely. But I'm going to tell you the unlikely way is often God's way. I, I, I'll tell you one more and then we've got to pray. The Lord came to Noah and he said, you know what? I've seen all that's going on on the earth. i got to do something about it. Never had it rained ever. Ever. The way the earth was watered springs would come up from the ground. The Bible said because of this, you know, for 110 years, he's building an ark. He builds this ark. He and his wife, Ham, Sham, and Japheth and their wives went in the ark. God ordered. Did you hear me? Highly unlikely. God ordered the giraffes, the lions, the tigers. Y'all with me? Snakes, the birds, all of them. God ordered all of them to come. Seven of the clean and two of the unclean. Are y'all hearing me? come into the ark of safety unlikely it was but God saved him when he rained fire and brimstone down on Sodom and Gomorrah he said to Lot get out unlikely but he saved him I look at David who failed the Lord again and again I, I, I look at so many people that messed up that, that was wrong that, that was way way out of line and you and I say it's highly unlikely they'd ever be used of God Especially Moses. I mean, he killed a man. David killed somebody. And he'd done all kind of foolishness. The unlikely way is often God's way. Would you stand with me? My heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let me ask you right now. Among us today, is, is there somebody that would say, Pastor, I want you to pray for me. I'm in a very unlikely situation. I mean, it's really unlikely to be uh, God's will. It's unlikely to be advantageous to me. I mean, it just looks so bad. Somebody in a situation like that, let me see your hand. Come on, be honest with yourself and with the Lord. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at harborwc.com.